Colossians chapter number 3, verses 1 through 9. And again, I mentioned that, first of all, we must be saved if we want to walk the Christian life. Obviously, you think, well, uh, duh. But again, there's a lot of people out there today that have a different mentality, a different thought, different idea when it comes to this idea of being a Christian. What is it? What is it like and why? And again, we understand that salvation is simply by grace through faith. It is what Jesus Christ has done for us. It's what we need to accept if we want to live the Christian life. Next, we looked at the second part of verse number one, which was seeking the heavenly. Everybody's laughing. It's still up there. I left it up there from last week. I thought it was neat, so I wanted to leave it there. So do not, don't, do not give up. So anyway. You're wondering what that is. That's from Pastor Appreciation last week. And uh, again, certainly appreciate that. But again, salvation is important. Then we looked at, uh, again, seeking the heavenly. We can't follow Christ if we're not doing the things that He wants us to do. He, uh, again, wants us to, to look to Him, to follow Him, not the world, but to seek God in His ways. The third help we found was there in verse number 2, to set your affections on things above. Our affections, our desires, our love should be from the things of God. Not focused on this world, not focused on what I want, but what God wants in my life. And uh, again, the final point that we looked at was to slay the flesh. We must learn to put away our own wants and mortify our earthly desires. And the Apostle Paul here was giving a long list of things that we needed to address. Again, to get rid of. There were five things that were mentioned that were the sensual sins, if you would. Which was the fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness. Then there was the five, the social sins that we looked at, which was anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication, and lying. When we have these things in our lives, it hinders our walk with Christ and dirties up our lives as believers. Last week's message was looking at what we needed to put off, the negative things, as Colossians chapter 3, verse number 9 says, I not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. Now this morning, I want to give you the second part of this message. The things that we need to put on. The positive, if you would. So let's look here at Colossians chapter number 3. We'll begin reading in verse number 10 this morning. Colossians chapter 3, verse number 10. says, And having put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. So again, these are the things that we must put on. Paul here was giving instructions on what we are to do, how are we to improve our Christian walk. These are some things that we need to look at, address, and put on as the elect of God. But let's have a word of prayer as we get started this morning. Lord, again, we thank you for the opportunity to meet this morning, to freely come and to worship you. Lord, I thank you for those that are here this morning. Lord, it's good to see Ms. Snyder here this morning. Thank you for allowing her to come and to visit with us. Other family members have come as well, and we're certainly thankful for that. Lord, thank you for uh, Brother Tim and his family that are here again presenting their ministry, going to the UK, and thank you for their desire to serve you. Lord, putting all that aside, we thank you uh, again that we have your perfect word. 
And Lord, I pray that you would help us this morning to focus on what it has to say. Help us to take these things, apply them to our lives. Help us to be that better Christian that you've told us to be. And Lord, if there's someone here that is not a Christian, that has never accepted you as their, their own personal Savior, I pray that today would be the day of salvation for them. Lord, help us this morning focus on what it is your Word says. Use me. We ask all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Now, you may remember last week, I had Pastor Dustin come up and, uh, uh, again, uh, indicating our Christian walk. I took all the trash from our office and dumped it on him. That was not to be mean to Pastor Dustin, uh, some of you may have thought. But again, it, it was symbolic for us to understand that the trash of this world, what we see at work, what we see at school, what we listen to, what we focus on, uh, gets bombarded and it gets put on us like trash. And we become soiled in this life as believers. Then I asked him to put on a nice clean shirt. And there's a lot of people that think that, well, I just have to put something on clean and that'll take care of it all. That's not the way it works. Again, we've got to put off those old things. We've got to put off those things that are dirty, that are hindering our lives as believers, because that clean shirt is only going to cover that smell for so long, right? It's the same way in our lives. That sin that's staining our lives, that sin that's hindering our lives, is only going to be covered by the things we're trying to do. We've got to learn to eliminate them, get rid of them completely. And that's why I was saying last week, we were putting off those things. And this morning, if we put them off, we're not just covering it with a new shirt. We're ready to put on some new things. Put on Jesus Christ. Uh, again, anytime we, we get rid of something that's bad, get rid of something that's negative, we've got to replace it with something good. If you've ever had a bad habit that you've broken and gotten rid of, you've got to have something to replace that time or whatever it is you're doing. I've told you before that I used to smoke. And when I quit smoking, I had to have something to do with my hands and I had to have something to chew with. So I was chewing gum like crazy uh, and I had to have a pen or, in my hand or something. Uh, again, those things went away eventually. But if I did not have something to replace it with, I could have easily fallen right back into that same habit. And it's the same way in our Christian walk. When we want to get rid of those things, we've got to replace it with something new. To have a better understanding of this, Paul gives us some direction here in verse number 10 that we need to see the new man, as verse number 10 points out. Here Paul was trying to put on the new man. The new man is the born-again believer. Again, it echoes what I mentioned last week about being saved. When we're saved, we become that new creature. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 17 tells us, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. When we get saved, God places His Holy Spirit inside of us. And that creates something new. It creates a new desire for the things of God. We want to know more about God. We want to follow Him and do His will. It gives us a, a divine nature, the Holy Spirit of God. And we have a new destination, which is our home in heaven. We have a, a new direction and purpose for our life, and that's to please God. So we could go on and on and think about and look at the things that God has given us as we put on that new man. But again, there's a problem here. We've still got the old man. We've still got this old sin-cursed flesh that we have to deal with. There's a lot of people that think and believe that once I get saved, everything becomes great and easy. <laughs> uh, it's just the opposite. You get a bullseye put on your back. But we have somebody we can rely on. 
We have strength that we can pull on that we didn't have before as unsaved people. Again, that Holy Spirit living inside of us is wanting to change some things. It wants to make some things better. Again, the Apostle Paul had wrote about this uh, in Romans chapter number 7 as he was addressing the church at Rome. He said, I've got two members warring inside of me. I have the spiritual side that I'm wanting to follow Christ and do those things, but I have this sin-cursed flesh that is drawing me away from Christ. And it's hard to fight between the two. So it's important that we feed that new man. It's important that we renew that man with our mind. That's what he mentions there, verse number 10, to have a renewed mind. Again, we must uh, continually renew our minds with knowledge. How many people here can remember their first grade teacher? How many people can remember where you sat in first grade? How many people know who was sitting next to you in first grade? Hmm, I got the teacher part right. Where I sat was probably in some corner. I don't remember which one. <laughs> and sitting next to me was probably Tommy Wright, my best friend. But uh, other than that, I don't know. Uh, how do we remember those things? We've got to continually be renewed. We've got to uh, go back and look. And uh, many of you may have photo albums and things like that. That we go back and look and we remember those things that we once did. We kind of relive those things. Seeing those pictures up there this morning reminded me uh, of when we were in England. Uh, the fish and chips especially. I was like, oh man. Um, my wife and I know. Got to have that vinegar on. Malted vinegar. Oh. Why do I always get off on food? Anyway. <clears throat> if we want to know those things, we must be continually reminded. We've got to go back and understand what it is that we want to remember. Who remembers last week's memory verse? Colossians chapter 3 verse number 2. There were some in Sunday school that remember that. What about two weeks ago when Brother Freddie Reed was here? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 9. Anybody remember that one? What was the memory verse from last month? Or last year? Or a year before that? Again, there's a lot of things that, that we forget if we're not reminded about over and over and continually placed into our hearts and mind. We've got to re be reminded of what God has done for us and who we belong to. It takes a daily decision to follow Christ. Every day we must get up and say, who am I going to serve today, myself or my Savior? Who is it that I'm going to follow today, my own desire or what God wants me to do? And so many times we get caught up with the things of this world, this life, because our eyes can see them. They're tangible. We can get our hands on them, whatever the case. And that's the direction we want to go. But God is continually calling us, follow me. And that still small voice, He says, come to me. Follow me. And that's what we need to, to, to live and do in our lives is follow Christ. Satan wants nothing more than for us to wake up and not even think about the things of God. This is why I encourage people, every time they wake up, every day you wake up, read your Bible, pray. First thing you need to do, read your Bible and pray. Because that's putting spirituality, spiritual things in your life first. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. The first thing we're to do is to put God into our hearts and mind. Why? Because as we go through the day, we usually don't find time. Satan will try to eliminate that. Whatever the case. So, first thing, put God in. And you may say, well, I can't do that first thing in the morning. Well, you need to. We need to have Christ in us. To help us as we start our day and do what he wants us to do. But Paul specifically mentions here that we are to be renewed in knowledge. 
after the image of Him that created Him, there in verse number 10, we need to be renewed in Christ. If I were to ask this morning, who could give me five promises from God, who could raise their hand? Some authors state that there's over 3,000 promises we find in Scripture. Some theologians even go up to saying there's 8,000 promises that we find in Scripture. It doesn't matter really how many there are, are in there, as long as we have one, that we trust Christ and accept that promise of salvation. All the other ones may be there. All the other ones may not be what we need. But let me tell you, they're encouraging to us. How is it the purpose of all the, the different promises that we find in Scripture? Why is it that God placed them there? Because He knew that one day we would need that encouragement. He understood that as we're going through life, as we're dealing with all the problems, that we're going to have to, again, need that encouragement. Has there ever been a time you knew someone going through a difficult problem needed some encouragement? What was it that you could offer to them? Scripture. Tell them the promises of God. Tell them what God has done for them. In the day and age where everything seems to be changing, we find Scripture where God says, I am the Lord, I change not. That's a, that's a big promise for me especially because I can't remember anything. So if I know it stays the same every day, I don't have to worry about, well, God liked it today or what he like it tomorrow. I don't know about next week. He may change his mind altogether. He says he changes not. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I want to remember the blessings of God. I want to take hold of the promises that he's given to us. But it takes us being reminded each day to read his word to allow that new man to be renewed in Christ. In that new man, we find that there's no segregation when it comes to other believers. Number two this morning is no segregation. Look with me again at verse number 11, if you would. It says, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. True Christianity is not an American religion. It's not focused on just those of us that are in the United States. Obviously, this is why uh, Brother Tim and his family are going to the UK. It's not just for certain groups or races of people, but Christ is all and in all. It's sad when there are certain groups that talk about believing they have a monopoly on God. I believe 100% what the Bible says that is for all. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Aren't you thankful for that verse? Because I'm a whosoever. I don't have to worry about having enough money. I don't have to worry about looking good enough. Well, maybe I... Anyway. There are some people that say, well, you've got to be born of this tribe or, or this type of person, or you've got to do this, or you've got to do that. You don't have to do those things according to what the Bible says. For whosoever, any of us, would call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We've got to truly believe in our heart that God, again, sent His Son to die on the cross for our sins... And we're raised again on that third day and is now sitting in heaven. I am grateful for that. I'm thankful to understand that salvation is for every one of us. Paul was, again, trying to abolish those rumors to make sure that this church was grounded in what was right. Verse 11 mentions that salvation is for all nationalities. He mentions the Greek or Jew. 
Paul was very careful on how he wrote this specific letter. And every other occurrence you find in the Word of God, the Jew is always mentioned first. This is the only time in, in the Word of God that you find the Greek mentioned before the Jew. It's kind of odd that you find that. But there's a reason behind it. Again, those in Colossae, there was a very uh, large group of Greeks, very proud people, and he wanted to make sure that he addressed who they were. And making it a point to say, look, there's no difference between you and the Jew. There's no difference between you and anybody else because Christ is all in all. He mentions the religious differences, the circumcision nor the uncircumcision. Again, the religious world at the time had two opinions and two options. You were either a Jew or you were a Gentile. If you were not of the seed of Abraham, then you were a Gentile and you were not under the biblical covenant. Many religions believe that circumcision was an important part of the spiritual life. But again, Paul was trying to make it very clear that the traditional act of circumcision had nothing to do with advantages in the spiritual life. He then goes on to identify the cultural differences, the barbarian and the Scythian. In early times, each nation believed that they were the top rung in the ladder, if you would. And if you didn't uh, understand my language or from my nation, you were nothing. You were a barbarian. That was their mentality in thinking that. Now on top of that, they had the Scythians, which were a nomad group. And this group was complete. Uh, considered to be the, the most vile of people. They were the most ignorant, if you were, of all the ones uh, ever created, the, the, the bottom of the gene pool, if you would. So, uh, again, Paul was addressing that. You were, didn't matter if you were a, a barbarian or even a Scythian of all things. Christ was all in all. He addressed the, the political and economical differences, the bond or the free. Christ is available to all men no matter where they are socially. Again, you can go back and look at Onesimus, uh, one that Paul led to the Lord in, in Rome in prison, and later became the church at Ephesus. So it doesn't matter what walk of life you came from, where you're heading, or where you're at right now. Christ is all in all. It even mentions male or female. There's some people that believe that, you know, the woman needs to walk ten paces behind me, because I'm the alpha male, because I'm more important. It doesn't matter with Christ. We are the, all the same. Galatians chapter 3 verse 28 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. Because we are complete in Christ, we can look beyond these earthly differences and separate and enjoy the spiritual unity that Christ gives us. One of the evidences of spiritual growth is the renewing of the mind and the willingness to receive and love those who sincerely love and follow Christ. Now there's a lot of people that would walk in these back doors and there's some that may say, well, I don't like this person or I don't like that person. That's not the Christ-like spirit we need to have. It doesn't matter who walks in those doors. We need to receive them with open arms. Christ did it oftentimes. Again, He's our perfect example, and we need to be the same way. There is no segregation when it comes to the things of God. We are all to be united in Christ. What is it that will help us put, away this, uh, put on this new man as we learned about the, how to navigate changes? 
Number three is to navigate changes as we find in verse 12 and 13. Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against you. Even as Christ forgave you, so do ye. So also do ye. Here we're reminded again what to put on. Put on as the elect of God. And you may ask, well, who are the elect? Who is it that this is addressing? Now again, there are some religions and denominations that have the belief that God chooses who can be saved and who is not saved. This is called the, the doctrine of election or uh, unconditional election as part of one of the five points of Calvinism if you really wanted to look into it. But God does not choose who gets saved and who does not. Just like if you were to go in and we're going to have uh, elections here in town uh, pretty soon, they're going to give you a ballot. And that ballot has got different names on it. And you have to choose. It's the election. Hmm, it's amazing. Kind of the same word, isn't it? We have a choice on whether we accept Christ or not. It is our choice whether we want to ask Him to save us or not. God does not make that decision for us. It is a free will decision that everyone has to make for themselves. Again, if we were to believe this idea of election, then everything the Bible teaches is about going and teaching and spreading the gospel message. Missionaries going to another land. What would be the point? Because God has already chosen them to be saved. It defeats everything the Bible teaches. So again, if you are saved, then you are one of the elect. And not just like any other election, we've got to make that choice for ourselves. As the elect, we are to be holy as God is holy. We are to love as God is loved. Again, as it mentioned there, elect, holy, and beloved are the things God has shown us. What is it that we're to put on? We find there again a list of things that we're to put on. It talks about mercy. Mercy is defined as tenderness of heart or a sympathizing spirit. We often relate this word to pity. Next, we see kindness. Kindness is the act of goodwill toward any man, not just one specific person or type of people. And then humility. Humility is the freedom from pride and arrogance. One author addressed humility this way. Humbleness of mind is thinking of others before thinking of yourself. Meekness is the next one, which is awfully, often misconstrued as weakness. Meekness is power under control. We can look at wind, we can look at uh, medicine, you can look at even a horse and see the idea of meekness. Uh, a gentle breeze is nice, but a storm is the same wind, is it not? A medicine that can heal you can also be given too much and it can kill you. A horse can be very gentle, but it also has the power to pull even the largest of loads. Then we looked at long-suffering, which means not easily provoked or patient. We could use the word as long-tempered. You know, oftentimes we think of short-tempered. Those that just fly off the handle, they get mad at anything. They don't have their ability uh, of keeping their attitude under control. But we're to be long-suffering, long-tempered, if you would. Forbearance means ceasing or to hold back. But then it comes to the idea of forgiveness. Again, forgiveness was a little something different. Paul went a little bit further in looking at this idea of forgiveness and explaining it. Notice in verse number 13 it says that you're not to forgive once someone has come and said, I'm sorry. Forgiveness doesn't happen after somebody else does something. 
Forgiveness is supposed to be before that. Huh? What do you mean? I can't believe they did that. Forgive them. Before they even say I'm sorry, before anything happens, forgive them. We easily get upset and mad at someone and even hold a grudge against somebody. What does the Bible say? Romans chapter 12 and verse 17 says, Recompense no man evil for evil. We can look at other scriptures as well to understand that that's not something we're to do as hold a grudge. Leviticus chapter 19 and verse number 18 says, Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. This principle found in verse number 13 is one of forgiving someone before they ask for that forgiveness. Think about what God has done for us. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 8. But God commendeth or demonstrated His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Before we said, God, I'm sorry, while we were yet sinners, Christ still went to the cross. It doesn't matter if you're going to ask for forgiveness. It doesn't matter what you're going to do. I'm going to die anyway, and it's going to be there. When somebody does something against us, we need to learn to forgive them, put it aside, and forget it. No matter what they do, no matter if they come back and ask for that forgiveness or not, put it away and give it to God. Again, Jesus didn't wait for us, and we shouldn't wait for others. We need to forgive and go on. When we don't forgive... That seed of bitterness is planted in our hearts. And that seed produces a plant. And that plant produces fruit. And that fruit is something we like to share with other people. And as we share that fruit of bitterness with somebody else, it plants the seed in their heart. And years down the road, they may have no idea why they have bitterness in their life because somebody else shared that fruit with them. But yet they hold it against someone else. Paul encourages us to put on these attributes. But there's one more that we find in verse number 14. And that is charity. So point number four this morning I'd like you to see is a noticeable action. A noticeable action. Verse number 14 says, And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. We've all probably heard many times that charity is love and action. And it's one thing to say you love something. But it's something completely different to show that love. Love is the one attribute that can overcome all things. You go back and you can look in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter number 13. Uh, again, looked at oftentimes as the love chapter of the Bible. But there in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, let me just read a couple verses for you this morning. It says, Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. Is not puffed up does not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not, is, <clears throat> rejoiceth not in, in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth, but whether there is prophecy, they shall fail." Neither there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanisheth away. Looking down at verse number 13, it says, Now abideth faith, hope, charity. These three, but the greatest of these is charity. Charity, our love and action, can overcome all things. 
So as a Christian, as we're trying to walk this, this life and to do the things that God has called us to do, we need to learn to put off those things from the old man. Put off those things, what we talked about last week, that's found in the first part of chapter 3. But we're to put on that mercy. We're to put on that kindness, that humility, that meekness, long-suffering, forbearance, and forgiveness. But most of all, we're to demonstrate those things. That's why Paul mentioned charity. Hey, those things are great, but we've got to show them. We've got to demonstrate them to other people. We've got to let other people see those attributes in our life. Do you want to be like Christ? Do you want to follow His word and His will in your life? Then put on these things that has been identified here in Colossians chapter number 3. And allow them to rule and reign in your life. So we bow our heads.